Now if your phones are off or in silent mode, please turn your Bibles over to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to be reading verses 1 to 10. I'm going to be reading from the New King, New King James Version. And he made alive, and you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, of even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For grace you have been saved through faith, and that, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepare, prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Our Father, we thank you once again for this day that you've given us to be able to gather in person and also online. We thank that we were able to observe the baby dedication of, of Emma. We thank you for the testimony of our missionary sister. We thank you for the songs that you've uh, allowed us to sing. We thank you for this building that you've given to us so that we can meet and study your word. Now, Lord, we ask for your Holy Spirit to be upon everyone in this room. I pray for the Holy Spirit to open the eyes of the hearts of your people. I pray, Father God, that you use me once again, anoint my lips, give me the wisdom, Lord God, and deliver your message to your people. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. I entitled our message tonight, But God. I know I read 1 to 10, verses 1 to 10, but we're only going to tackle 1 to 5 tonight. So tonight we continue our study of the book of Ephesians. I know we cut it way back in November. But praise God, we're back in it. It has been quite some time, and now we have a new book. Again, we're back to the book of Ephesians to study it. But God is one of one of those, those but is the word that is used as a conjunction. And a conjunction is used to introduce a phrase or clause contrasting, contrasting with what was already been mentioned. So in the Bible, this word these words these two words but god is was used 31 times 31 times this verse always comes after we read something that seemed to be dire dark and hopeless but god but god comes to the rescue and brings light to the darkness brings healing to the sick brings hope 
to the hopeless, but God. We were dead in our sins, but God. So let us see again what the problem was and the situation to which we needed God to come to our rescue and what we just read. So what was read is this, Ephesians 2, 1 to 2. And you he made alive. So we were dead. So the biblical principles that we just read is are, there's three types of death that the Bible mentions. First is the physical death, right? Physical death. Nobody wants to argue with that except science. Science tells us there are certain ways to that you can be considered clinically dead or whatever. But there is physical death, as the Bible mentions. There's also spiritual death, which is what we just read. And then there's eternal death. When we die, then there's hell. Eternal life is heaven. Eternal death is hell. So those are the three things that the Bible teaches us about death. And then here is uh, in 2 Thessalonians, you can, you, we can read here that these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. This is the verse that confirms to us that when we die without God, if a person dies without surrendering their lives to God, there is eternal death. For you to discount that there is a place like hell, you are discounting the love of God. If you think you are saying, well, God is so loving, there shouldn't be a place like hell. You're saying that God's love isn't that loving. You might not be thinking that's what you're doing, but that's what you're, say what you're saying. If you realize that the consequences of our sins causes someone to go to hell, a lake of fire, eternal death, then all the more you will appreciate God's love by giving Jesus to die on the cross as payment for our sins. Whenever somebody discounts hell, when somebody discounts God's punishment, they're actually also discounting God's love. But God, we deserve hell, but God gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in in him shall not perish but have eternal life but God we weren't amounting to anything but God the world was just constantly persecuting us but God Christian we have many challenges in this life correct we have many persecutions coming our way and more to come but God but God. The other thing that we read there is that Satan and his demons, I know we discussed this many times also in our Christmas series, that it is important that Christians, us Christians, believe in Satan and his demons' existence. It does not pay us to think and believe that they do not exist because that's what he wants us to, to believe. He wants us to believe that he doesn't exist. He just wants us to believe that men are just completely evil. Man is flawed, correct. But with the help of Satan and his demons, we do more evil things. They are completely involved in the evil of this world. So what? What? what why, why would we talk about him? Doesn't that make us sound naive in, in supernatural ways and superstitious, I should say? 
I think you're naive if you think Satan does not exist. It's actually the opposite. You are the one who's naive if you think spiritual things, spiritual beings don't exist. Because it's 2021, really? Because there's a Tesla car now? Because you could do FaceTime with people from the Philippines? So there's no more demons? No. In what we read, it shows us that before we accepted Christ, we were called the sons of disobedience. And then it was also mentioned there that Satan is the prince of the air. And then as I say that, there is that walked, that verse walked. And the original meaning is meandering, wandering. Wandering is the original language discussed there. And the, the, you're wandering, you, you go where the wind pushes you. Whatever the, the, the popular thinking is, you go there. That's what you do. This is the new style. You go here, even if it violates God's commands. God's uh, The new lifestyle is, is accepted here. Living in sin is okay now. Getting married is not okay now. So you go where the wind takes you. And who's the prince of the air? Satan. So that's what's happening with the, with, with, with the human race. The sons of disobedience are easily moved by the prince of the air. Whichever CNN says is okay, you do. Whichever HBO and the new show you're watching, you do. You forget what the, the commands of the Lord. You could care less about the commands of the Lord because you belong to the sons of disobedience. So we put together those thoughts. And when we see, and then we see it, the, the lifestyle that we used to live, the big reason of it is because we belong to the sons of disobedience. We were the sons of disobedience. We belonged to the family of Satan. We were playing for the other side. No wonder, right? You could think now, no wonder those evil things that you used to like, now you see them like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I used to do that. Like This happens to me when, when I make my children watch the movies that I used to enjoy. I make the big mistake of doing that most of the time. And then I'll, I'll, I'll hear the words of the movie or the scenes in the movie. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. That was in there. I forgot. So now it's disgusting for me now. Not because I'm just a parent. But I believe it's the Holy Spirit in me telling me that's not profitable. The things that we used to do that didn't bother us. Now that you belong to Christ, one night stands look disgusting to you now. Right? It should. Premarital sex should look disgusting for you right now. Now that you belong to Christ. The, the things that you used to do before should be disgusting to you now. But the word of the Lord is only heard by His people. Everything else in the Bible will not make sense to the sons of disobedience. We will actually, they will actually hate it. That's why we have this, such a strong opposition from the world. They will make fun of us. They will make fun of your faith in God. Oh, now you belong to God. Things should go well for you. In a, in a sarcastic tone. Things are working out for you right now because you belong to God. God's working it out for you. In a sarcastic tone. But for us who belongs to God, this is what the Bible says. Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. 
And then John 10, 26 reads, But because you are not my sheep, you refuse to believe. When you fall, do you feel do you feel the Holy Spirit convicting you? And when and, and when you hear a message that's spoken through your podcast or here at church, do you feel the Holy Spirit speaking to you directly regarding that sin that you are still committing? If you do, praise God, because that means you are alive. That means you are alive. Your spirit is alive. Remember, there's a spiritual death. Now here, this is the next point. And you, he made alive. Whose, cho whose choice was it to make us alive? Just as he chose us, this is in Ephesians 1, 4-5. I know we tackled this many months ago. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Now, when Lazarus died, Jesus' best friend, when Lazarus died, did Lazarus actually call out to God and say, Jesus, please raise me from the dead? There was no way because he's already dead, right? Now, can a dead person do anything? Can a dead person feel anything? Can a dead person decide on anything? No. Physically, in the physical realm, our answers are no. Impossible. Stupid that you're even asking it. Why is it different on the spiritual realm? We were spiritually dead. Before God chose us to open the eyes of our hearts, before He chose us, we could care less. None of this in the Bible makes sense to us. Right? This is spiritually discerned. And Jesus, when Jesus spoke to the Pharisee, right? He said, you need to be born again. Not to be born again physically, but to be born again spiritually. So folks, that should raise gratitude in our hearts. That should, that should raise gratitude in our hearts to say, I was dead. That's why that song, right? I was dead, right? I was blind, but now I see. Right? It, should, it should breathe gratitude and humility that if it wasn't God, there was no way. No matter how many Bible readings you would do. I know of a lot of unbelievers have told me that they read the Bible from cover to cover, but it does not make sense to them. And they tell me this with a smile. And then in my mind, I'm reciting John 8, 47. Because without the help of the Holy Spirit, none of this will make sense. How can a dead man decide to be alive again? How can one who is dead do anything at all? How can a man spiritually dead make a decision all of a sudden to accept God? How? There's no way. So remember that time when you decided to accept Jesus Christ? Because it was God. It was God who opened your eyes. It was God who opened your eyes. So that you will receive that gift of salvation. It was Him. It wasn't us. Don't fool yourselves. I know some, some have fooled themselves. They thought they've eliminated all the options and this was the smart thing to do. Because I say, yeah, right? Because this is in Romans. 
Romans 3, 10 to 12, which is also Psalm 14, 1 to 3, Psalm 53, 1 to 3. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks God. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Some people will argue with me, I'm a good person. Yeah, probably in our own standards, but in God's standards, you're not a good person. You're probably doing those good things to get the applause of people. You're probably doing do those good things to get the approval of your parents. You're probably good at doing those good things because the society accepts it. You're probably not doing... I can guarantee you, if you do not have God, the good things that you're even doing, because the Bible said it, even your good works are dirty rags to God. You know what the real meaning of that dirty rags is? Menstrual cloth. Menstrual cloth. Now that's why God's work is so crucial. This is why when we see those words, but God, He came into the picture, He came into our lives to rescue us from our eternal death. But God. That's like the gospel in two words. But God. And that's why I believe and I love the doctrine of election. That's why I believe it. If it were not God's, if it wasn't God ultimately choosing me, us, we would have not surrendered to Him. We would have not opened our lives to Him. We would have not accepted Him as our Lord. And you, the verse says, and you, He made alive. Lazarus, when Jesus called, Lazarus, come out. It was only Lazarus that came out. The joke is, if Jesus said, come out, the first episode of The Walking Dead would have happened. All those people in that tomb would have came out. Although they would have stinketh, they would have walked out. Look at this one. Deuteronomy 7, 7, 8. The Lord did not love you and chose you because you outnumbered other peoples. You were the smallest nation on earth. But the Lord loved you. But God loved you. And wanted to keep the promise that He made to your ancestors. And that is why He saved you by His great might and set you free from slavery to the king of Egypt. Somebody say, Praise God. Amen. That's right. Thanks, Pastor Charles. You completely get it. No. If you no, if we don't, if we don't appreciate the truth about this, we actually think we are something. <laughs> Praise God, I came, became a Christian, so now there's a name, a big name in the roster of God. That's what that's what we think. You know, I, I heard some people say, Oh, I hope Mani Pacquiao becomes a president uh, 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 not president, but a Christian. Because he becomes a Christian, he could, we bring so many people to him, to the Lord. You know what? Many Pacquiao became a Christian. But does God really need popular people to bring people to him? That's what we think with, with celebrities. We think, oh, if this big name becomes a Christian, he or she can bring so many people to Christ. 
Where really? Is, is it really them? Is it really them? Maybe Christians from LA because they're always looking for celebrities. But people come to God because of God. Period. God chose the smallest nation because He made the choice. He didn't choose Egypt, the most powerful nation at that time. He chose the smallest. Ephesians 2, 3. Well, skip that one. We'll go with this one. In whom, among whom also we also once conducted ourselves in the lust of our faith, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Children of wrath, that's what we were. Before Christ, that's what we were. Anyone does not belong to God, they're children of wrath. So I get it. By our own standards, I've heard this multiple times, even from people here at church. We say this. Unfortunately, those unbelievers, they're better people than many Christians that I know. <laughs> you know what? Sometimes I can't argue with you. Sometimes, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes the people outside of Christianity are nicer people by human standards. That's true. But guess what? In God's eyes, they're children of wrath. And by God's command, we are told to do this. If it were up to you, make peace. We are supposed to be peaceful to everyone. But there's this, this next line. I believe this is Galatians 6. Said, Especially to the household of faith. Especially to each other. Now, does discipline happen? Is discipline needed as a church? Yes. Yes, in this church, we discipline. I haven't really brought anybody to the big discipline to the church, but I have been dealing with certain people, certain brothers and sisters, that will be committing sin against other Christians, other brothers and sisters in this church. But sin must happen. Now, we, you, we cannot water it down by just saying we have to love everybody. We do. In the name of God, we love them. But we have to discipline them. Just like when we discipline our, our children. I love my children, but I discipline them. Because you don't, it, the Bible says, if you, if you don't love them, if you don't discipline them, you don't love them. The Bible says that if you are not being disciplined by God, you probably do not belong to Him. Because He disciplines those who are His. So why are we different? Why would we, we be different? We're not going to be different. We're going to apply church discipline if church discipline is needed. Because most of the people, if they do not belong to the Lord, they're called children of wrath. It's a good reminder for us. Every one of us before receiving Jesus as, as our Lord had a lifestyle of sin. Sinning against God and our fellow men. Violating the Ten Commandments left and right. Some of us, we go through that in a day. The only time we don't commit any sin is right before we wake up. Right? By the time we get up our bed, we're already committing sin. 
We look on our Facebook where like, we started talking bad about everybody. Like, oh, look at what she's wearing. Oh, my gosh. She's probably cheating on him again. Oh, look at look at what. They probably stole that money. That's why they could buy that. You know, We start doing that. We start hating. Right? Right before we get up. We have all had that lifestyle. But let me let me bring this, this, this one challenge to us, though. As Christians, now that we belong to God, I understand we still have to grow, right? Because Christian life is just like physical life. There's, there's a process. When we were babies, we couldn't possibly really, we weren't running the way uh, we are running now. Emma Susan exception. She, she started running when she came out of Jamie. But we, have, we, we fall, we stumble, right? We, we don't even, we can't even say the right words. But when we were babies, when we, when we find babies say little words, even we don't understand, like, we're like, oh, so cute, so cute. We clap at Emma, right? And then when we, I think she said this. But when, if Emma turns 25 and she still keeps talking that way, I think we'll be concerned, right? But right now, we think, oh, this is so cute. She's doing such a good job. She's so smart. So it's the same with our spiritual life. When you were a new Christian, you didn't understand many things about the Lord. There, there's, there's, there's the differences between sin and trespasses, what we read from verse 1 to 10. Sin is, let's say, I vacuumed the floor or I cleaned my car. This is a, this is a true story. I cleaned my car, and then Alonzo, the baby Alonzo, up to now maybe, he'll come in with his French fries and spill it and make a mess, right? He sinned. He sinned. But he didn't know any better, so I warned him. Don't do that again. Don't eat in my car. Next time, the next day, brings his fries again, spills it there again. Now that's a trespass. The difference between sin and trespass. Sin is you didn't know you committed an error, but you still committed a sin even if you didn't know it. But trespass is knowing, knowing that you weren't supposed to cross that line, but you still did it. Now, us Christians, we know what sin is. For the baby Christians, you probably didn't know all of the, 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 the things that you're not supposed to do. So you've committed sin, but then once you were told, once you heard it in a preaching or you're reading, as you continue to study and continue to grow in the faith, you are now committing trespass if you choose to still violate the law of God. Big difference, correct? Now what are the, the, the acts of the flesh? The acts of the flesh are this. There's a list for us. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, dis discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, John MacArthur, Pastor John MacArthur said that you cannot beat the demons if you like playing with them. You, there's no possible way that you could beat the demons in your life if you like playing with them. That's why there is a need for us to continue to grow in our relationship with the Lord. How? The more we know of God, the more our love relationship with Him grows. 
the more of truth that we know that what God has done for us and what He continues to do for us, that should breed appreciation, gratitude, humility, and then obedience. The thing is, we stop drinking. We, we stop when we drink the milk and we stop there. The milk of grace. Oh, grace, 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 grace. Milk. You have a bottle. You have the Christian bottle. I still want to do this. Grace, grace, grace. Oh, I don't want to do that. Grace, grace, grace. Supposed to stop committing adultery. No, grace, grace, grace. Stop cheating on your wife. No, grace, grace. Right? Now, Paul said, Paul said, should we commit sin then? Since grace is powerful. Since grace is overflowing. Is that a reason for us to sin? And Paul said, absolutely not. Knowing and realizing the, the magnitude of grace, the impact of grace in us, does not give us the right to sin. It's not a license to sin. Realizing how powerful grace is is because realizing what it took God and how much He loved us. And, and again, it should breed obedience rather than disobedience. But God, right? But God, who is rich in mercy, mercy that is new every morning, Mercy. God is so merciful. Man, if we're all going to be honest, we should always be celebrating His mercy. Because from minute to minute, from second to second, we fail. We fail. But because of His mercy, even when we try our best, we still fail. He just takes one annoying brother or sister or a neighbor, right? Or a guy with the Honda Civic, <laughs> That cuts you at the freeway, right? God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great, great love with which He loved us. Now, there's a lot of words in the Bible, but these two words, but God, but God, are so soothing, <laughs> are the most important, and, and, and they're most important to us. Because if, if there was no but God, we will all be dead in our sins. You deserve hell, but God. You deserve His punishment, but God, who is rich in mercy. They're so soothing because they're true. Because it shows His mercy and then it speaks about His love. You know, when, when he broke through, when God broke through, when God broke through the challenge or, or, or the consequences of the sin, what was his main motivator? What was his reason? His reason is because he loves us. Because he loved us. And he doesn't only love us when we go to church. He doesn't only love us when we go to church. He doesn't only love us when we're reading our Bible. He doesn't only love us when we become spiritual. You know, He loved us at our worst. The King James Version says, at your stinkiest. At your stinkiest. At your worst. He loved us when we were dead. But God demonstrates, Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates His own love toward us 
in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Folks, if this does not bring you to tears, you're not taking Him seriously. You're not taking your sins seriously, and you're not taking love seriously. The only reason why you, how you will truly appreciate His love is if you truly know the consequences and the ugliness of your sins. The problem is, you still love your sin. You love your sin more than you love God right now. The reason why this won't bring you to tears is because you, you could care less. You know, the funny thing is this. We say we love God, praise God, I'm going to be with heaven with Him, but we could care less about going to church. You're going to be with Him for eternity? You say, yeah, I, I want to be with Him for eternity, but I don't, I don't want to go on Sunday. Super Bowl, man, you know. Basketball. Something better. I need to change the oil of my car. The car that God blessed me with. I need to be responsible with it. He loved us at our worst. He didn't say, okay, so now you're going to church. Now I love you. No. Look at that. He loved us when we were his enemies. How can you love your enemy, really? It's so tough. God makes me realize this every day. Because now you're a pastor, right? So now you're put into a at least in people's eyes, right? You're put in a higher, you're put in a pedestal. How I wish I could be like you guys. So when you hurt me, I hurt you back. <laughs> and then we forgive each other. Grace, grace. Received by grace, pare. All right. <laughs> you know? No, because now that you're, you're a pastor now, they, they, they talk bad about your wife. You can't say anything. You have to be quiet. They talk bad about your family. Oh man, you have to take the offense. You have to give it to God and keep quiet. And lift it up to God. And then God will make me realize, you've hurt me more than that. You've hurt me more than that. But you got my grace. I gave you mercy. And yet I loved you. So now I command you, love your enemy. In my prayer, take me now, Lord. <laughs> the escapist in me comes out. The Jonah in me comes out. Take me now, Lord. Throw me in the sea. I'm done with these people like Moses. I'm done. Take me. Church, there's one thing when we profess we love God, but we have to understand that He loved us at our worst. If you can understand this wholeheartedly, and if you accept this wholeheartedly, there's no way in the world that you will still love your sins. Your sins that caused Him to die on the cross. Can you absolutely still live in that sin that cost Him His life? How can you still love that lifestyle if that is what caused God to die on the cross for you? That you say you love. Why would you still be spreading gossip? That sin of gossip. Why? If that is one sin that God died for you, why would you still commit adultery? Why would you still steal from your neighbor? 
Those are the sins that Jesus died on the cross for. How can you still love doing that? Understand that God loved you at your worst, but it doesn't mean you can stay there or you should stay there. The desire of you, our desire should be, Lord, I want to live for you. You know, they said the opposite of the churches now is this. When a Christian becomes a Christian, uh, when a person becomes a Christian, they ask their pastors, okay, so now I'm a Christian. What, what are the sins that I can still do? They, they ask that. They ask that question. Oh, so I'm saved by grace. So can I, what, can I still keep my lifestyle? What are the things that I can still do? Unlike before, oh, now I belong to Jesus. What can I do for Him? That's why our church is dying. The church is dying. The big C, the church is dying because it's a bunch of Christians who are still wanting to live their sinful ways. It's not a bunch of Christians who wants to finally live for the Lord and bring other people to Him as well. It's a bunch of selfish Christians. What can I still do? Yes, I'm saved by grace. Can I still watch porn? Yes, I'm a Christian. Can I still live in with my girlfriend? Yes, I'm a Christian. Can I still steal from my work? And before you think you're not stealing from your work, or have you been on your Facebook while you're on the clock? You're stealing from your work. You're welcome. That's stealing. Repent from it. You think it's so simple. Oh, it's not hurting them. Oh, yeah. How much are you getting paid per hour? That's how much you're stealing from them. What? You know, we need to live for the Lord. Done, we should be done playing for the enemy. We were playing for his team for a long time. It's time to live for him by understanding that he loved us at our worst. But God. But God. Here's some verses about but God. We can have a series about but God. Some people are like, don't. <laughs> Finish the Ephesians first. Are you wanting to give up? Are you weak and no, you have no more strength? Read Psalm 73, 26. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart. In my portion forever. Have you failed and made the wrong decision? Genesis 20 verse 3 reads, But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Indeed, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken. For she is a man's wife. This is when Abram was such a coward. Abram was so scared of, the, of Abimelech and he knew his wife Sarai was so beautiful. And he said, Oh, they're probably going to want you. And they're going to kill me so they can have you. So tell them that you're my sister. Oh, that's a husband of the year award. Right? So Sarah complied. And then Abimelech, true enough, took her. But God. But God. Despite our failures, despite our cowardness, despite our unwillingness to be bold for the Lord, but God, but God still comes in the picture and rescues Sarai from Abram's mistake and potentially Abram's 
potential problems. Are people against you? Read Genesis 50.20. But as for you, you meant evil against me. But God, this is Joseph speaking to his brothers. His brothers who sold him to slavery. And then right after that, he became the slave of Potiphar. Potiphar, I don't know how you really pronounce it. Let's just call him Potpot. He became a slave of, of Potiphar and then was accused of rape. Falsely accused of rape. Then thrown to jail. And then was forgotten for two years after doing a good deed of, of, of translating or interpreting the dream of the cupbearer. And then became the prime minister of Egypt. When his brothers wanted to make sure that they're not, he's not going to kill them or punish them, which is rightfully so, right? They deserved it. If Joseph wanted to give his wrath to them, they deserved every single bit of it. But not Joseph. Anybody who has been rescued by the hands of the enemy, anybody who has been blessed by God, becomes like God. Because the same thing with Jesus when he was dying on the cross, right? What was Jesus' lines there? When he said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Joseph saying, But as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good. In order to bring it about as it is this day. To save many people alive. But God. You deserve, we deserve hell. But God. We deserve punishment, but God. We, we don't deserve this life that we're living in. If you're enjoying it, we don't deserve it, but God. You've had many prayers that, that was going to harm you, but God. <laughs> I know a lot of us prayed for the lottery. Oh, Lord, I will donate the building to the church, but God. <laughs> Because God knew if you become a millionaire, he won't see you at church anymore. Much more buy a building for him. But God. But God. And this is, this is basically, this is one of the things that we should always know. 1 Corinthians 10.13 No temptation has overtaken you except such is common to man. But God is faithful. God is faithful. The Bible also says that if we are faithless, God is faithful. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Praise God. Amen? That is our God. He knows Everything we need even before we ask for it. Or before even we think that we need it. God provided a way out. Even when we fail against Him and His will. God already has made, paid the way for us. That's why grace is so powerful. So overwhelming. Imagine grace. 
the, the, our sins yesterday were paid. Our sins today were paid for. And our sins tomorrow were paid for. That's His grace. It's an overwhelming, amazing gift that we can never repay God for. The only thing, the only thing that, that God wants from us is obedience, right? Obedience to His commands. Out of love, not out of fear. Because we've already attained heaven. In verse 10 there says, right, in what we read earlier in Ephesians 2.10, the good works have been has been has been predetermined for us to do. Those are not to, to earn heaven, but those are designed, those are planned for us to do as we get because we are saved. It's the results, result of our salvation. But our salvation is because of God, because of his grace. Now, folks, we're gonna do more verses next week. Hopefully, you come back. <laughs> but but God, you're, you're going to decide not to come, but God. <laughs> but God broke your car down and you stopped at the church. Oh my God, that's a miracle, right? Folks, God loves us. God loved us at our worst. Us coming to church is, is our appreciation of that truth. Us obeying His commands is the appreciation of that truth. Us living for Him is an appreciation of that truth. That at our worst, He still loved us. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank You for Your message to us tonight. We thank You for coming into picture, coming into our lives, Lord God. We thank You for loving us at our worst. We thank You for Your perfect work on the cross. We ask now, Lord God, that Everything that you have revealed to us in our minds and in our hearts tonight, we pray, Father God, that we'll be able to live it out for you. Live it out in, in, in gratitude, out of gratitude and appreciation of that truth. Father, forgive us for the times that we have failed you. Forgive us for the times that we are still in love with our sin more than we are in love with you. Forgive us, Lord God, for our disobedience. We thank you, Father, for your grace and your mercy that is new every morning. Father, help us to live for you. Help us, Lord God, to please you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's all rise for the